This Israel report is brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Owning properties in Israel can be a great investment, but challenging to manage if you're based abroad. The Blue Agency will manage every aspect of your property, finding and vetting tenants, maintaining your property and getting it rental ready, negotiating contracts and collecting rentals, reporting back to you regularly. The Blue Agency has built a reputation for trust and confidentiality over 20 years. The Blue Agency, your Israel property is in good hands. Contact us at www.thebueagency.com. The Israel Report for the latest news and insights with Anthony Reich. Anthony Reich, Bokertov, good morning. How are you? Bokertov, Moadim Lesimcha. Um, some hot news of the press. Mm-hmm. Um, there has been another report of um, an attack on pro-Iranian militias in Syria, just outside of Damascus, of course, and the IDF are being reported to have carried out that attack. That is by serious state media. Um, we don't know for sure whether that was the idea, but it certainly has all the hallmarks of uh, an attack by the IDF on another uh, attack. Uh, it's really becoming Syria. very, very commonplace, this, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's almost as though this is now just uh, as, as, as maybe not daily, but certainly a weekly occurrence at least. Almost, almost, and it shows just exactly how much activity is going on in Syria and um, being perpetrated by Iran. It also um, has a, a standard report format which says that the anti-air defense systems were activated and were successful in shooting down most of the missiles, but there were two soldiers who were injured and there was quite a lot of damage done, so there is a certain format which we always see in these reports. Yesterday we spoke about, we started speaking about some of the events that will be taking place this week in Israel and Jerusalem in particular. We spoke about the uh, priestly blessing event that took place yesterday. More than 50, more than 50,000 people at the Kotel yesterday for the Birkata Kwanim that took place yesterday. There will be another one that takes place tomorrow, but Another event that I wanted to tell listeners about is the annual Jerusalem March, which will be taking place this week. It is the 68th year that the annual Jerusalem March is taking place, and tens of thousands of people are expected to join the Jerusalem March. This is something that began in 1955 as an IDF event, and apparently in that year there was something like uh, 50 soldiers and sev- sorry, 200 soldiers and 70 civilians who joined a four-day march to Jerusalem. That was in 1955. Two years later, there were already 5,000 soldiers marching to Jerusalem, and by 1966, it had 15,000 participants. This year, we'll have tens of thousands of participants. I don't exactly know how many people are due to join. But what's interesting is that from an IDF event, this is now turned into an evangelical Christian event with tens of thousands of evangelical Christians due to join the annual Jerusalem March. And the way that it works is that it starts out in the morning with a walk through Jerusalem. And there are three different options. Option number one, Route A is considered to be more difficult. It's in the uh, neighborhood of Gilor. Uh, it's expected to attract more than a 1,000 people. It's a 10-kilometer route 
which is apparently suitable for experienced walkers, according to the organizers. Then we have Route B, which starts at Nahal Rafaim Park. It's about eight kilometers in total. And um, then we have Route C, which is the shortest of all of the routes. It's about five kilometers. It begins at Safra Square. And um, they all converge on Gan Sakhar, on Sakhar Park. All of the routes come together. There is a bit of an event uh, a happening that happens in uh, Sakhar Park, a magic show, circus shows, a performance by an Israeli dance troupe, and a concert by Dudu Aharon, which is, who is a, a popular singer-songwriter, Israeli singer-songwriter. And then at 3 o'clock on Rehov B'Talel, the actual Jerusalem march begins, and it winds its way through the city center. It goes through Hillel bin Sira, it goes through uh, Melech David, and ultimately it concludes at 5.30 at the train station in Jerusalem. So it's really an opportunity for people to get an, a, a feel of the city of Jerusalem to walk around a major event in Jerusalem and something which is really, really exciting um, and uh, something which the listeners might not have known yeah. about before. So, in fact, I've uh, been there for one of these marches and it is just the most incredible, incredible experience because you have Christian supporters from all around the world marching in there with their countries and the singing, the music, the uh, the camaraderie, the goodwill is, is just something very, very magical. Magical. It certainly was a highlight for me, uh, but just uh, being there when when uh, when one of these marches took place. So uh, it really, really is exactly as you describe it. Just a very, very special day in the city of Jerusalem when this march takes place. If I really do encourage people to to try and get there to see this. Hezbollah leader Nasrallah has warned that normalizing ties with Israel is an assault. On Al Aska, Aksa, okay. Can you explain that um, that mental and uh, logical leap? Well, um, this was a speech with, that was given yesterday by um, Hassan Nasrallah, um, who is known for using hyperbole to mm. say the very least. Mm. He always likes to exaggerate things, um, and the. Um, the event is not really quite sure. In other words, it's not really quite sure why he's decided at this moment um, to make the speech. We do know that um, it is somehow coincides, I think, with the Prophet Muhammad's birthday, which took place um, not yesterday, but uh, some time ago. And so I think that that might well be the pretext for um, this particular speech. But um, the context and the, the content of the speech um, is obvious because um, there is a huge a feeling of um, a threatening about this new initiative between Saudi Arabia and Israel and a feeling that the Muslim world is somehow being split down the middle between those who feel that it is okay to normalize ties with Israel and into that group we can include uh, the Emirate countries uh, and we can include Egypt and we can include Jordan um, and now uh, we could potentially include uh, Saudi Arabia moving forward of course Morocco another country that has normalized ties with Israel so there is a feeling of a split in the Muslim world between those who feel it's okay to normalize their ties with Israel and those who are still holding out against normalizing ties with Israel. And interestingly, that group is being led largely by Iran. But of course, uh, Syria 
is there and Lebanon is there and a number of other Muslim countries also fall into that group and Nasrallah is increasingly becoming a, a kind of spokesman for the group who feel that um, Israel still represents an enemy and should be um, criticized and castigated at every opportunity. And, of course, the invoking of Al-Aqsa goes without saying, because I've already said a number of times, and I'll say again, that when you talk about Al-Aqsa, it somehow unites the, the Muslim community around the world, both those who are in favor of normalizing their ties and those who are not. Al-Aqsa is somehow um, uh, uh, above all of the petty Muslim politics and somehow seems to unite the Muslims around the world. And that's exactly why uh, Nasrallah on this occasion has again invoked Al-Aqsa and saying that normalizing ties um, is an attack on Al-Aqsa and his and an abandonment of Palestine. And that were, those were the words yeah. that he used in his speech last night. And of course, he said that um, we need to criticize and we need to, um, um, we need to castigate those countries who find that normalizing ties with Israel is okay. He actually was quite critical of um, Saudi Arabia without naming Saudi Arabia for this normalization process that seems to be well on the road now. Um, and just, uh, you know, to put things into context, yesterday um, was something of a record day uh, in terms of the number of Jews who actually ascended the Temple Mount on uh, Sukkot. 1,400 Jews were able to go onto the Temple Mount in all uh, since the beginning of Sukkot, something like 2,000 Jews have ascended the Temple Mount. And it was interesting that Nasrallah says that Al-Aqsa is becoming a Jewish synagogue. Now, um, they talk about the Temple Mount as Al-Aqsa, and we shouldn't get confused by that because Al-Aqsa, the mosque Al-Aqsa, is just on one part of the Temple Mount, and it's quite easy to actually go onto the Temple Mount and not to, not to approach the Al-Aqsa at all. It, it's, it's quite a, a, a huge area, and it is possible, as many people do, to go onto the Temple Mount and not to violate Al-Aqsa, not to um, go anywhere near Al-Aqsa at all. Um, and so um, I think that there is a lot of confusion, a lot of uh, fog that's being spread around about the fact that uh, Jews are going onto the Temple Mount, and even though they're not approaching Al-Aqsa, it's considered to be a violation and a threat to Al-Aqsa. Well, isn't everything. The uh, President of Israel's High Court of Justice has cancelled her retirement function. Why? Um, this is Supreme Court President Esther Hayut, um, who is retiring. She served her, her time, um, and she has reached retirement age. And through the natural course of uh, the, the way that things work within the Israeli court system, she will uh, retire um, uh, and finish her role, not only as the president of the Supreme Court, but indeed as a judge on the bench of the High Court of Justice. And usually the way that these things work is that the next most senior judge assumes the role as president of the High Court of Justice. Now, uh, Justice Minister Yariv Levine has decided that he is entirely opposed to the system of assuming the presidency by the most, the next most senior judge on the bench and that he would like to have more say and more control over who becomes the president of the High Court of Justice, except that 
he will not be convening the Judicial Selection Committee quite yet in order to determine the next president of the High Court of Justice. Now, this is just one little spat amongst many things that are currently um, dividing Justice Minister Yarev Levine from uh, Supreme Court President Esther Hayut and indeed the Supreme Court in general. He is very much on a warpath against the Supreme Court and how it operates, and we know that this is part of the judicial reform uh, that is ongoing on the streets of Israel. 39 weeks of protests continue uh, and more and more and more. Um, but this is just one little spat between the two of them. And so um, because the, there is no successor who has been named to to take her place when she retires as a court, uh, as the Supreme Court president, she's decided that she will cancel the entire function, which is due to take place at the residence of the president of Israel, uh, Isaac Herzog. And normally what would happen is that she would retire and then the president would swear in the, the new, new Supreme mm. Court president. But because there is no swearing in process, she said she will rather cancel the retirement, retirement ceremony and not hold it at all. And of course, this is her little um, protest against what's happening um, within the Ministry of Justice and against the Minister of Justice himself. And not. And what's more, the Minister of Justice has been asked not to speak at the retirement ceremonies of um, some other judges, which will be taking place later this month. He is uh, kind of a persona non grata at the moment within the Supreme Court system because of what's happening. So just another little issue, another little spat mm. which is going on, which is really unhealthy for our court system and for our society in general. The, I just wonder if this is how the, these justices should be playing this out. Shouldn't they, in a way, try and rise above this in order to really establish their impartiality in a way? Because, because by, by um, doing so, they very much become part of the uh, you know, they've, they've taken sides, which I get, obviously, because they're impacted or the Supreme Court is impacted. So I get it. But at the same time, it certainly doesn't convince me of impartiality. Mm. I think the notion that a judge is impartial um, may be up for discussion because inevitably a judge will always come down on one side or the other. And so therefore one says, well, they took an impartial view and they decided impartially that one side has a stronger case than the other side. And, and, and in so doing, they seem to somehow take sides um, because they decide in favor of one party rather than another party. And over the years, this has taken a toll on Israeli society because inevitably um, when looking at things impartially, and I don't know how anybody can really look at anything impartially. because no, you, you we always really. Come, it's, we it's, all it's a bit of a fallacy. I get it. But we all come from a certain point of view, right? We all come from a certain education, a certain um, culture, a certain way of looking at things. And therefore, we judge things according to our background and according to the way that we have been educated to look at things as impartially as we can. And I don't know if that's a real word. But I think you're right that this, the, the court here has really taken a position against the government. And that's because the government has said to the court, you have taken so much 
so, so many positions over the years that we don't like the positions that you've adopted and we're going to change the way that you operate. So there is a real battle going on here and it's hard for me to really to see how this is going to play itself out and resolve itself. But I do hope that once again, the president Isaac Herzog will be somehow the, the wise navigator mm. in this sea of storm because we really need to have our court system operating properly. And right now, it's really a little disabled. Yeah, it, it, uh, it really is. And finally, in, uh, in an, uh, not a lot of time, but uh, a second Israeli government minister is visiting Saudi Arabia within the space of two weeks. What's the purpose of this visit? So, so these visits are really under the auspices of an international organization, the United mm, Nations, mm. Uh, which was uh, Chaim Katz was the Minister of Tourism who went to the United Nations conference. This time around, we have our Minister of Communications, Shlomo Karhi, who has um, gone to Saudi Arabia, has gone to Riyadh to attend a universal postal union conference. Who would have thought there is such a thing still mm. in terms of postal unions and, and conferences, but apparently there is one, and he's gone to Saudi Arabia, and he's been very welcome uh, to go to Saudi Arabia, where postal unions are talking about their future, because, of course, their future is very much under threat under the current uh, situation in which we find ourselves once upon a time. Post offices were a thing. These days, they're kind of less of a thing, and certainly the Israeli postal uh, service is struggling to find its way forward. The government would like to privatize it, but it really doesn't have a proper business model to speak of. But um, Shlomo Karhi has attended, is attending at the moment, um, this conference in Riyadh. And once again, just shows how the situation with Saudi Arabia has moved so dramatically over an incredibly short period of time. Indeed, and that is where we leave it, Anthony Reich. Thank you as always. It is 8 o'clock. You can catch Anthony for the Israel Report tomorrow morning at 7.45. That Israel Report was brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Owning properties in Israel can be a great investment, but challenging to manage if you're based abroad. The Blue Agency will manage every aspect of your property, finding and vetting tenants, maintaining your property and getting it rental ready, negotiating contracts and collecting rentals, reporting back to you regularly. The Blue Agency has built a reputation for trust and confidentiality over 20 years. The Blue Agency, your Israel property is in good hands. Contact us at www.thebluagency.com. Dot com.